Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our evening service, Sunday 28th of July, 2019. This evening we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from Psalm 23, and brings us a message entitled, The Best of the Rest. Could I invite you to open your Bibles at Psalm 23. This is a psalm that teaches us many things about the Lord Jesus and the blessedness of knowing him in life, in death, and throughout all eternity. It is something to teach us about a satisfied life. We live in a world where there's much dissatisfaction. The psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want teaches us how to handle stress. He is the shepherd who makes his sheep to lie down in green pastures, and he leads them beside still waters. It teaches us how to smile at death. For even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for he is with us. His rod and his staff comfort us. And as we learned this morning, it teaches us how to feel good about God. A God who prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. A God who anoints our head with oil. And a God who fills our cup so that it runs over. Tonight we're going to learn that this psalm teaches us about the security of an endless life. The security of an endless life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a psalm that begins on earth and it ends in heaven. It's a psalm that's all about a sure, sufficient, satisfying shepherd who in adversity makes me lie down. In poverty he brings me to green pastures. In perplexity he leads me beside still waters. And in eternity he is always with me. What a wonderful psalm it is. Let's read it together. Whatever version you may have, you just read it from your version. I'm reading from the version that I'm using. It's the ESV. Let's read the Word of God out loud. We'll read it all together. Last week we read the first, I read the first, and you read the second, but tonight we'll just read right through the psalm out loud. Okay, let's read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen to God's word. Father, with our Bibles open, we thank you for this wonderful psalm. And we thank you for enabling us to glean gems from these memorable verses. And now as we turn to this closing verse tonight, 
We pray that you'll just open our ears to hear your voice, our eyes to see your glory, and our hearts to experience your grace. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. What do you think of this statement? Satan has no happy old people. Satan has no happy old people. I wonder, do you agree with that? He may have happy young people, that is, those young people who seem to have a carefree attitude and activity, but Satan has no happy old people. And here's the principle behind this sort of thinking. Satan always gives the best first and the worst last. Listen to what the writer says in Proverbs 20 and verse 17. He says, The bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. It may start sweet with Satan, but it doesn't end that way. He is a counterfeiter. He is a deceiver. And he's certainly guilty of false advertising. He doesn't release all the facts. The adverts that promote a lifestyle that is contrary to the mind and will of God for any man do not show you the end product of sin with its heartache and pain and carnage. Adverts for alcohol. It doesn't get any better than this is one of the lines of one of those adverts. He is right. It always gets worse. You see, he doesn't Show the drunkard in the gutter covered with his own vomit. He doesn't show the disaster on the motorway or the home wrecked and ruined through such alcoholic behavior. So far as Satan's gospel is concerned, there is no happy ending. And when the sun is sinking low, and conversation for the aged atheist begins to lull, They cannot joyously contemplate their future. Someone has said that old atheists never die, they just go to hell. Why? Because Satan gives the best first and the worst last. But not so when you're in the family of God. Not so when you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Christian life is made up in the progression of superlatives. Good, better, best. And he keeps the good wine to the last. For the little chorus is true. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And that's the teaching that comes from this concluding verse in this golden passage of Holy Scripture in Psalm 23. The psalmist is saying it's good now. Surely goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life. But the best is yet to be. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here are the sheep. And the sheep are looking over their shoulder. And they see two sheepdogs. Job calls them in Job 30 and verse 1, the dogs of my flock. Two Sheepdogs, goodness and mercy, who follow the flock wherever they go. Charles Spurgeon calls them two guards bringing up the rear. 
Another one has made this comment. They're like two footmen riding on the carriage. And what blessing would be ours tonight if we truly grasped this, that goodness and mercy does follow us all the days of our lives. And all of us are writing a book. And that book is all about God's goodness. And that book is all about God's mercy. Goodness in the good times and mercy in the difficult times. God's provision for our failures. God's provision in meeting our need. But we praise God tonight for what David is saying here that the best is yet to be because the God who is the good shepherd and the chief shepherd and the great shepherd is the God who reaches into my past and forgives me for all my sin in his son Jesus Christ. He is the God who is with me in my present. And every tomorrow is safe in his eternal care. And this is what we want to focus on as we come to a concluding meditation on this psalm. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's think for a few moments tonight about the house of the Lord. You see, when we think about this house, we're thinking about heaven. This verse helps us to think about the certainty of heaven. No ifs or buts. It is surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the richest, most blessed and precious passages in all of Scripture is that New Testament passage that quotes the words of the Lord Jesus on this very theme. He reiterates and underscores and confirms what David is saying here in Psalm 23. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Well, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. He's talking about the same place as David is talking about in Psalm 23. If it were not so, says Jesus, I would have told you. You see, let me pause and say this. Jesus Christ is truth incarnate. He is the truth. He always speaks the truth. He is the truth. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus Christ would not let the hope of heaven beat within our souls if it were simply a lie, a superstition, or a fond delusion. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. What I'm saying is absolutely true. You can depend upon this. You can stake your whole eternity upon this. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself so that where I am, There you may be also. And so we can say tonight that heaven is a real place. It's not just a condition. It's not just a state of mind. But a place more real than the place where you're living now. It's so real a place that Jesus is there now in a resurrected body. There is a body in this place called heaven. It is a resurrected body belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven is a place on God's map. We speak of heaven as a place being up there. And some people think we're a little out on our geography, cosmology, because it all depends on which side of the globe you're on. 
Well, the Bible writers were inspired of God, and when they said Jesus was come down from heaven, and he went up to heaven, and that we look up to where our possessions lie, the Holy Spirit knows what he's talking about. Think with me about this for a few moments tonight. There's one place on the globe that is always up, and that is north. It's not by accident that people speak of up north and down south, wherever we are. There is that polar star, that northern fixed direction, and the compass always finds that northern place. In Isaiah forty, or in Isaiah chapter fourteen and verse thirteen, the writer speaks of Lucifer, Satan, who rebelled against God and tried to exalt his throne and place his rule where God's rule is. And listen to what Lucifer said: "For thou hast said in thine heart, this is." A reference to Satan. Satan is speaking. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the signs of the north. When God told Moses how to build a sacrifice way back in the Levitical system, he said in Leviticus 1 and 11, You tell the Levite when he goes to kill an animal, he shall kill it on the signs of the altar northward toward the Lord. Another verse in Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7. God is talking about a great, uh, truly, namely, how God honors his people. And when God honors his people, for he says, For promotion comes not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. What direction did he leave out? North. And then he mentions God. You read about that in Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7. There is a place somewhere to the north, above the stars, a place called heaven. The apostle went there. He speaks of his experience in 2 Corinthians 12 and 2. He calls it the third heaven. I knew a man in Christ, says Paul, about 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knows such a one caught up into the third heaven. He calls it the third heaven. And he tells us that to go there in the body You have to be out of the body. Jesus is there in a body. Some people are there out of the body, but they have a body later on. But this person was caught up into the third heaven. What is the third heaven? Well, the first heaven is the atmospheric heaven, the fowls of the air who fly in the heavens, the clouds, the the envelope of air that envelops the earth, the first heaven. Then there's the second heaven. The stars are called the host of heaven, that is the stellar vast reaches, the starry heavens. But beyond the stars of God, there's a place called the third heaven. And someone has beautifully put it like this. We see the first heaven by day. We see the second heaven by night. And we see the third heaven by faith. Listen to what David says. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. The Apostle Paul knew that heaven was a real place. Jesus knew that heaven was a real place. David knew that heaven was a real place. And when a Christian dies, he steps right into heaven. When the days of his life here on earth come to an end, all the days of my life sooner or later will come to an end. The days of my life, the days of your life are going to end. And listen to what Paul says in Second Corinthians 5. Therefore, we're always confident. We have no fear. We have no doubt. We're certain about it. 
We're always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Right now we live in a body, we're at home in the body, but absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I haven't seen the Lord, and neither have you. But Paul goes on to say we are confident, not only confident, but willing rather to be absent from the body and present for the Lord. You see, if it was up to me, I would go to heaven to be with the Lord tonight. But I am confident that the moment I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. Have you that confidence tonight? Listen to what Luke says in Acts chapter 7. He records the death of Stephen. Stephen was stoned for his faith. He had a vision of heaven before he died. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the right hand of God. And he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. The Lord Jesus told a dying thief, Today you will be with me in paradise. Heaven is a present place. Heaven is a perfect place. We read some weeks ago from Revelation. In Revelation 21, heaven is the place where God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more death, no more disease, no more dying, no more doubting, no more moaning, no more groaning. These things are gone. They are passed away. We do not know everything that can be known about heaven. And nobody else knows, for the Bible says, It does not yet appear what we shall be like. I like the quotation that says, Heaven is going to be the presence of all that is good and the absence of all that is evil. Heaven is all that the loving heart of God can conceive and all that the omnipotent hand of God can provide. That's what heaven is going to be. It's a present place. It's a perfect place. And praise God, it's a purposeful place. Don't get the idea that when you go to heaven, you're going to get a woolly robe, a rusty halo, and that you're going to sit around on a fluffy cloud and pluck a harp all day. That doesn't come from the word of God. The Bible teaches us in Revelation 7 that his servants shall serve him day and night. If you're a Christian, don't you, des- don't you desire to serve the Lord Jesus better than you do now? Every preacher longs to be able to preach better. Everyone who prays longs to pray more effectively. Why isn't there more power in my prayer? Every singer that has sung would say, I would like to sing better than I'm singing now. To give glory the glory that alone belongs to the Lord. We have this old sin flesh that holds us down. But one of these days we're going to serve him as we have never served him before. We're going to sing as we have never sung before. This is the house of the Lord. It's a present place. It's a perfect place. It's a purposeful place. Think of the certainty. I am going to prepare a place for you. David says, surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. This verse helps me tonight to think about the certainty of heaven. You going there? Are you? Have you got your passport for heaven? Have you got the necessary documentation that will take you to God's eternal home? It's very important. Think of the company 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When he says the house of the Lord, he doesn't mean a building of God. There is a building of God eternal in the heavens, but that's not what David is talking about here. I believe he's talking about the household of God. In my father's household, there are many mansions, many dwelling places. All of the saints of all of the ages are going to be there. All of the household of faith, the company of heaven. Mark Twain is reported to have said, I will take heaven for climate and hell for society. But my friend, you can't do that. I will take heaven for climate and for society. People say, well, we know our loved ones in heaven. Yes, we will. In fact, that's the only place where we will really know them. Remember the story of David? Remember David, a little son, the little infant who died, and David wept, prayed, and fasted, and asked God to spare the life of the little child. When it was sick, and the child died, and David got up, washed, anointed his body, and took some food. And those looking on said this in Second Samuel 12, What is this thing that you have done? You did fast and weep for the child while it was alive, but when the child was dead, you did rise and eat bread. And he did say, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live, but now he's dead? Wherefore, shall I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Do you have a little one in heaven tonight? You're going to see that little one someday. And that's not mere sentimentality from a preacher. But that is the revelation of Holy Scripture. Is there a mother, a father, a brother, a sister there? We're going to see them there. I read a lovely story. Let me relate it to you. The story of a shepherd who brought his flock to a turbulent stream and wanted to lead them across the flowing stream and they were afraid of the water. The wise shepherd took a little lamb from the flock and put that lamb in his bosom and waded across that chilling stream. Over here was the mama's sheep and the papa's sheep and they saw their little one on the other side. And the old mother, you started through the water to get through the water to get to her little lamb. And then there came the father's sheep and then there came the flock behind. God in his infinite wisdom at times takes a little lamb like David's little one and sets them on the other side. We do not know everything. We do not know all the mysteries of God. But we know one thing that on the other side of those chilly waters of death there is a place that is prepared and we can go and meet our loved ones there. Let me move you quickly to the Mount of Transfiguration. When our Lord appeared with Elijah and Moses there after they had already died and gone to glory, he brought them back and the disciples that accompanied the Lord saw Elijah and Moses and they had never seen them before, but they knew them. Moses was Moses and Elijah was Elijah. Yes, we will keep our personalities. We will not be absorbed into nothing. Heaven is a place, a perfect place, and we will know our loved ones when we get to heaven. Abraham Isaac, Paul, John, the aged apostles, they will all be there and it will be joy unspeakable and full of glory. Friends will be there I have loved long ago. Joy like a river around me will flow. Yet just a smile from my Saviour I know 
will through the ages be glory for me. The old hymn puts it like this, Jesus, the very thought of thee with sweetness fills my breast, but sweeter far thy face to see and in thy presence rest. Isaiah the prophet writes these words in Isaiah 33 and verse 17, mine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. The certainty of it, the company of it, the constancy of it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord how long? Forever. Think of the constancy of it. You see, sheep are nomadic. They always wander and if they're not wandering, they're always being led by the shepherd beside the still water and in the green pastures and in the dark valley over hill and moor they are led. They do not settle down in one place. And the writer to the Hebrews speaks about it in this way. He reminds us that God did not intend for us to settle down here for this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And sometimes I need to remind myself of that. That this world is not my home. One day the place that knows me now shall one day know me no more forever. Hebrews 11 is the great hall, hallway of faith. In verse 8 we read, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he would have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise. He didn't settle. He sojourned as in a strange country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked, what? He looked for that city that had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. One of these days we're going to settle down. All of us who are the Lord's, we're just pilgrims now. We're just strangers passing through. We're away from heaven. We're on the way home to heaven. It's going to be a place of constant joy. It's going to be a place of constant praise. It's going to be a place of constant service. Have you ever thought about that? I will dwell in the house of the Lord. For how long? Forever. Forever. Have you ever thought about eternity? Have you ever thought about the length of eternity? Have you ever thought about being lost in eternity? If you're lost in time, you'll be lost in eternity. You see, the Bible knows nothing about the gospel of the second chance. And so far as any of us are concerned, eternity is but one breath away. And eternity is a long, long time. And if you die and go into eternity unseen, you will never have the opportunity of trusting Christ. That's why the Bible emphasizes that now is the accepted time, that now is the day of salvation. What a sound. Maybe for many years, like me, you knew this psalm off by heart. You learned it maybe at school. You learned it at Sunday school. You knew the psalm. 
But tonight, you're a stranger to the shepherd. That need not be your experience. Because the shepherd loves you. And he gave his life for you. As I said at the very beginning, it's a psalm about a sure, sufficient, satisfying shepherd. And he wants to be your shepherd tonight. He wants to bring you into his fold. And he wants you to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The security of an endless life in heaven. There's a heaven to be gained tonight. And there's a hell to be shunned. Betwixt heaven and hell, there stands the Lord Jesus Christ with outstretched arms. And he says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you need to come? Do you need to come for the very first time tonight? Do you need to come back tonight? Because you've wandered away from God. You never intended to, but bit by bit, has took you further and further away from him. He's only a prayer away tonight. And if you call on him, he will respond and bring you back into the joy of his salvation. May God write his word in all our hearts for his name's sake. Father, we thank you for this journey through this wonderful psalm. We thank you as we have already intimated tonight. It begins on earth and it takes us right into eternity. We thank you for every head bowed before you who can say, he's my shepherd. Some of us sing, I have a shepherd, one I love so well. How he has blessed me, tongue can never tell. We also sing, when labor's ended and the journey's done, Then he shall lead me safely to my home. There I shall dwell in rapture, sure and sweet. Lord, we would love to be able to sing it tonight, but for many of us, it's not so. With all the loved ones gathered round his feet. Father, we have loved ones tonight. They're not trusting the shepherd. They respect him. They don't speak evil of him. They would never take his name in vain. But they're not trusting him. Oh God, tonight before the shadows fall, give them grace to look to the shepherd and to put their head on the pillow tonight and say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's really my shepherd. And I shall not want in life, in death, in eternity. Amen.